So with that said, I'd love to invite Matt King up. Do you want to come, Matt? We'll welcome him. I'll introduce him before we let him loose. We'll stay at appropriate distance here and give you a 1.5 metre cuddle. But it's great to be able to have Matt King with us this morning. I know many of you would know very well who he is. But it's been three years, hasn't it, since you've been back with us? Too long. Three years too long. So if anyone doesn't know Matt, we've been friends for longer than I'll mention, because otherwise we'll both feel very old, but many, many years. We grew up together, and then cutting a very long story short, Matt went to the US, was called by the Lord, did ministry training school at Bethel, and stayed on there, was on staff for some years, where he met his lovely wife, Elizabeth, who is around somewhere, and they've got two beautiful twins, and one on the way, is that public? It is now, there you go, there we go. Praise God. I did check with him beforehand, don't worry. Um, and then Matt felt the call of God. His wife is from Norway, and the Lord really stirred his heart to move to Europe to be a part, amongst other things, of a movement over there called Europe Shall Be Saved, which is an evangelical movement really focused on bringing the gospel to Europe. And of course, I think there's a number of people that were drawn there, big hopes and dreams, and then COVID hit. And then in the midst of uh, or 2020, twins arrived as well. So it's fair to say that the last couple of years probably looked nothing like what you imagined when you took that step of faith, but God's good. And I'm just really excited to hear what it is that the Lord's put on Matt's heart. So can we pray for him? And we'll give him the mic. And if you get a moment, notice his shoes, because I'm a little bit jealous. A bit of shoe envy happening here. It's always very fashionable. The gospel will go forth. That's right. Father, we just thank you for Matt. We thank you for his heart for you. Lord, we thank you for his passion to see your kingdom come and your will be done. We thank you for the calling that is on his heart and his life. We thank you for his precious family. And we thank you for this moment that we share together, Lord, for the word that you put on his heart for us. We pray that your word would be proclaimed with boldness, with joy, that it would accomplish all that you desire this morning. Give us listening ears to hear what it is that you're saying. And I just pray for Matt personally. Pray for refreshment, pray for encouragement, pray for fresh fire and uh, a fresh refiring into your purposes and your plans for his life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Andy. It is good to be back at Vision Church. It was too long uh, since I was last here. It was, uh, as Andy said, over three years, and uh, yeah, that was tough, but uh, thank you, Jesus. We made it. They let us in. They let the wall down for me and the family, which I'm thankful for, and uh, yeah, I just want to say, Andrew and Ali, we just love you so much, and I'm so thankful for our friendship, and uh, just growing up with people like Ali and Andy, and Paul and Allison, and and Adam and Steph and, and Martin and Roz, Peter and Judy, I could name more, was just such a great, great privilege. And, um, you know, Elizabeth comes and she's got to know them over the last, you know, eight years or so. And, and she continues to say to me, like, Matt, you grew up with the most incredible people. And, uh, and she says, and Elizabeth will often say, you grew up in such an exceptional church. And, uh, and uh, it's true, I, I grew up in this incredible church and I count it as 
the enormous favour of God, honestly, that I was able to grow up in this amazing church. And uh, so anytime I get to come back, I'm just so thankful. And, uh, and I come back and there's all these people here that I don't know, which is awesome. And uh, I can't see your face, but I'm sure you're beautiful. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure I don't know you. Uh, but uh, we are so thankful to be here, and I'm encouraged about the church. I love this new building, and uh, wow, like what an incredible building. Uh, and so that was just so, so awesome to see, this amazing new building. Um, and uh, even though it's crazy times, uh, I am very encouraged about Vision Church. I, I come here, I meet the people, I experience the presence of God. I, I see the values in this church, and I think to myself, wow, this church is really, really has an incredible future. When I see the way the Lord has blessed this church, I see, wow, what an incredible future. And I love that there's a great big cross on that intersection over there that just shouts the gospel. I love that. Uh, I'm so, um, yeah, I'm just encouraged about the future of the church, and you know, it's, it's crazy times, you know, I don't know if this season can get any more strange. Can it get any more strange? I just want to tell you one quick story just to illustrate how strange this season is. I was uh, speaking in Poland uh, about a month ago. I was with a great church in South uh, West Poland. And uh, so the Saturday, the Saturday evening, we're out to dinner. I start to feel sick immediately. And uh, I won't go into the details, but that evening I proceed to bring up a lot of the contents of my stomach, and uh, I'm thinking this is either COVID or this is food poisoning, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm on the food poisoning track here. So I missed the Saturday night meeting, but I'm determined I'm an evangelist, so I will not miss a Sunday morning meeting, you know, so I'm like, I am going to the Sunday morning meeting no matter what. And uh, the pastor's a little bit, he's wired a little bit like me. He's like, I will not miss the meeting. I, I will not, the gospel will go forth. And, and uh, he's a bit wired like me. And uh, he's like, Matt, we've got some great doctors in the church and nurse. We've got, we've prepared an injection for you. And I'm like, okay. And they say it in broken English, which makes it even more scary. Okay. What's in that injection? And, uh, oh, it's good injection, good injection. Okay. Uh, and they're doctors. It's not coming from you, pastor, is it? And, uh, oh, no, no, good doctors in our church, good doctors. So I said, I, I talked to my wife, and I, actually my friend was with me who's a nurse, and he's like, yeah, I think it should be all right. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's go for this. So I just can't get over how strange this season is. So literally 20 minutes before the meeting, I'm in the pastor's back office with some nurse that I don't even know having an injection in my butt and then I get up and preach 20 minutes later and the gospel goes forth and people came to Jesus. So if you think it can't get any more strange, well, now maybe you think it's even more strange this season. So I'm going to, I think if I ever write an autobiography, I'm going to put that story in that, in the autobiography. So... We are in a very strange season, obviously. Obviously, it's very, very challenging. Today, I want to talk to you about restoration of hope. That's what I felt like the Lord laid on my heart, that it's in God's nature to restore hope. That is precisely His nature. 
Uh, it's interesting. I, I've obviously I'm based in Norway. I get to travel uh, not so much in the last two years, but but I get to go a little bit in different parts of Europe, mostly Western Europe, and just partner with great churches and and uh, and then I, I do a little bit. Uh, you know, I sometimes go to America, and it's just interesting that um, talking to pastors and leaders and people in church in different nations, it's like it's the same experience everywhere. It's just it's crazy town right now. It's just such a strange season. And uh, many, many, uh, obviously the world itself is just shaking and people are having a very difficult time. But, but I think if we're honest, like as the church, we're actually having a very hard time as well. And uh, if we're not putting our plastic fantastic face on, if we're really honest, most of us, it's pretty challenging right now. And it's, it's a crazy time. Uh, I've certainly experienced that. I, I have not been to my home country in over three years, and finally I'm here. Uh, you know, I haven't been able to be with my parents for nearly two years and let my grandchildren get to know my parents, their grandparents, you know, for an extended period of time. And, uh, you know, I've had financial pressure. It's been a challenging time. And uh, I've been sometimes felt encased in this arctic nation called norway where the sun sometimes is down by 3:30 in the afternoon and i've just got inside after playing with the kids in minus 9 degrees and i'm thinking what am i doing here <laughs> and, uh, and uh, lord where have you sent me and uh, and so it's been very very challenging for many of us but you know the lord promised has always promised not that he would remove the trial and the difficulty, but he would preserve us in the trial and the difficulty. And that I can say, amen, God, you have done that. You have not removed the trial, you have not removed the trouble, but you've preserved me and my family in the trouble. And I believe we can take heart that God will preserve us in the trouble. He preserved Elijah in the midst of the trouble. You know, he preserved David in the midst of the great trouble. He didn't take the trouble and the trial away. That's a Disney gospel. That's not the gospel. But God promises that he'll preserve us in the midst of it. And he is doing that. I can speak for me and my family. He is absolutely doing that. He is preserving us in the midst of the trouble. And, you know, it's funny how God speaks to you sometimes. I'm in that season now where kids are speaking to me and kids' videos are even, and and kids' television shows and things are starting, God's using those to speak to me, I feel like, sometimes. Uh, But we we play this um, instrumental, uh, it's like an instrumental worship music video on YouTube a lot, and uh, sometimes it has, like, nature, pictures of nature in the background, and uh, there's this one that my kids, Noah and Amelia, love, and uh, it's got this moose in the middle of this uh, in this little stream and surrounded by really barren kind of, um, I guess it would be savannah, let's just call it barren wilderness. And, uh, and I'm just watching this moose in the midst of this stream, uh, sorry, in the stream, surrounded by this barren wilderness. And I've just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I've created a stream for you in the midst of this barren place. I've created a stream for you in the midst of this wilderness. And, and I feel like that's something, I think if we were to 
if we were to be fair to our life right now or, or sort of have a, a right perspective of our life, I think that would be true for many of us, that we're feeling the pressure, we're feeling the difficulty, we're feeling the, the, the hardship, but if, we're, if we look at it, I think if we're fair to it, I'd say many of us would probably feel we're in the midst of a stream surrounded by the barren place. And I'm just so thankful to God that he's, he's, preserving, he's preserving me, he's preserving my family, uh, financially speaking and in many different ways. I feel preserved by the Lord and I, I'm thankful for that. Um, but I have certainly felt my own hope really challenged in the last months. Uh, in the last two years. How many of you have you felt your hope level challenged in the last two years? Come on. Hey, hey, come on now. Put your hands up. Yes, thank you. That was better. Uh, I think our, if we're really honest, much of, much, many of us would say our hope has been significantly challenged in the last two years. Um, you know, I feel like in Australia here, you guys had it great for the first year. <laughs> you know, it was like, I, saw, I see on the news like, it's like one case in Brisbane. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. It's, you know, and in little cities in Europe, you've got like 50,000 cases. But, but all that to say, it's, I think many of us have felt our hope level challenged as there's been pressure on family, there's been pressure on work, there's been pressure on relationships, pressure on church. We haven't been able to be with one another as much as we probably would want to and would need to. And I think if I, if I look at the various relationships that I have with people in Europe and America and here in Australia, I see all over the place, young and old, you know, young in Jesus or sort of older in Jesus, if you know what I mean, been saved for one or two years or saved for 40 years. I'm noticing people's hope level is being massively tested. Christians' hope level being massively tested. I'm in a, I, I, I sort of lead a, a group uh, where we meet once a month of church leaders in Europe, and and I'm seeing these seasoned leaders. I can see their hope levels being really, really stretched right now. When they can't meet in church, or or they can only have eight people in Sweden in church, and or they've maybe gone back to church and the pastors are wondering where like half their people have gone. And, and I'm seeing even seasoned, mature leaders, their hope level being really stretched. Well, here's the good news. Our Father promises to restore hope. Our Father in heaven promises that where hope is lost, He says, I'll restore the hope. I will give you a, a, a hope-filled future. I will restore the hope. You know, there were many times we can look at throughout Scripture where Israel seemed to have lost hope or, or his prophets seemed to have lost hope and God comes to them and says, I will restore hope. I will restore your hope. It is, it is in his nature to restore hope. And so if you're really, if you're honest this morning and you're in that place where you would say, like me, in, honestly, in the last months, you know, in particular, where you feel like your hope's been shaken, or maybe you feel like you've lost hope, maybe you would identify with what's said in, in, the, in the book of Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Maybe you feel like your heart is sick because hope's been deferred. Hope seems a bit lost right now and your heart's sick. 
here's the good news. God says, I'm a restorer of hope. God doesn't come to you and say, well, you should have been stronger. You should be more mature. You should have, you know, shake up, buck up, son. No, God doesn't do that. God doesn't come and say, shake out of it. Come on, you should know your Bible better than that. That's not how the Father is. The Father comes as a comforter and says, I'll restore your hope. And that's what I want to look at in the scripture today. And I want to go to a very familiar passage. You probably know it well, but we're going to look at it together. Jeremiah 29. And I want to look at this a little bit closely. So we're going to start Jeremiah 29. We're going to start in verse 10 together. Now, many of you will know this already, but for those of you that don't, uh, Jeremiah is prophesying, he's about to prophesy to Israel who are in exile in Babylon. So God's judgment has come on the nation of Israel because of their wickedness, their enormous wickedness that was going on and uh, absolutely disgusting things that were going on in Israel at the time. And uh, they go into exile in Babylon, and they are under Babylonian captivity, uh, away from their homeland. And Jeremiah is now about to... We're going to read it together. Jeremiah is a prophet of the Lord, and he's about to speak prophetically to Israel, who are in captivity in Babylon. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 10. And I'm uh, reading out of the New English translation, which many of you are like, huh, what's that? No, it's not the Passion Translation. This is uh, the New English Translation, which is the the most modern English translation now, actually. So I love it. Verse 10, for the Lord says, only when the 70 years of Babylonian rule are over, will I again take up consideration for you. Then I will fulfill my gracious promise to you and restore you to your homeland. Isn't that beautiful? Then I will fulfill my gracious promise to you and restore you to your homeland. For I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. When you call out to me, When you call out to me and come to me in prayer, I will hear your prayers. When you seek me in prayer and worship, you will find me available to you. If you seek me with all your heart and soul, I will make myself available to you, says the Lord. Then I'll reverse your plight and will regather you from all the nations and all the places where I've exiled you, says the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I exiled you. I want to I want to zero in on verse um, eleven. Now, many many of you maybe have the New King James translation. Uh, that's one I'm very familiar with. Uh, I believe the translation there is, "I I will give you a hope and a future." I'm not sure what some of the other translations say exactly, but the New King James says. I I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Here's the the deal. If you look at the original language, if you look at the original Hebrew, you have two, there's a certain name for this uh, particular way of crafting the Hebrew language, which I can't pronounce so well. But the basic idea there is you have two Hebrew nouns together. 
which the New King James translates a hope and a future. But the reality is, is these, the, the instance of this particular style or way of writing, when you have two nouns together in such a way, it's actually designed to convey one single idea. It's not two separate ideas. It's these two nouns side by side are actually intended to convey one single idea, which is why my Bible translates it, I will give you a future filled with hope. And I love that. I will give you a future filled with hope. The Lord says to Israel, who are in the midst of trouble, they are suffering, they are in captivity, they are in a great big trial. And God says, even though you, you kind of deserve to be there, I plan to you, I plan to give you a future filled with hope. What an awesome word. Now, is God saying that, God says it to Israel, I believe God says it also to his church. I believe under the covenant of grace, under his mercies, under the greater covenant uh, sealed with the blood of Jesus, under the covenant of grace and comfort and peace and mercy, the Lord also says to his chosen people, you and I, children of God, I believe he also says, I will give you a future filled with hope. I am absolutely confident he would say that to you and I this morning. No matter what you're going through, I will give you a future filled with hope. I promise you a future filled with hope. Well, I don't feel very hopeful right now. Doesn't matter. Well, can't you see what's going on around me? Doesn't matter. I'm going to give you a future filled with hope. Well, don't you see what's happened in the last days, weeks, years? Don't you see what's happened, God? Look at what's going on. I'm going to give you a future filled with hope. God, I'm away from my family. I'm I'm away from peace. I'm, I'm filled with... My life is chaotic right now. Look at the troubles I've been through. I see that. And I see what you're going through. I see the trouble you're in. I'm going to give you a future filled with hope. Now, if it seems so foreign to you, which it does to me sometimes, in the dead of the Norwegian winter, in the corona pandemic, in lockdown, man, those words can seem far away. That doesn't mean that it's not true. Now, I heard it said by a leader at Bethel Church, and I love this. Any area of my life that is not filled with hope, or he said glistening with hope, is under the influence of a lie. Let me say that again. I believe this is true. Any area of my life that is not glistening with hope is probably under the influence of a lie. Now, what that means is, let me translate that into you know, non-Christian verbiage. In other words, if I'm, if I'm feeling like there's an area of my life that is just going to go into the pit, into chaos, into whatever, just mess, then there's a good chance I'm probably believing a lie in that area of my life. And I'm, I tell you, friends, I am preaching to myself today. I, I, I'm, doing, I'm just doing a bit of preparation. And I'm like, man, I need, to, I need to preach this to myself right now because it's, I'm about to go back to the middle of the Norwegian winter and Omicron, Corona variants going crazy and it's... 
I need to preach this to myself. But if there's an area, like for example, for me, it's like, God, you promised me that I was going to take the gospel to different nations in Western Europe and I was going to see a lot of people saved and miracles, signs and wonders. You promised that and I can't even get on a plane and go into the country. And so I need right now to remind myself that his promises are true and that he will take me carrying his gospel into those nations and people will be saved. And if I believe something different, then there's a good chance I'm believing a lie and I know where the lies come from. They come from the father of lies. There's a good chance I'm probably under the influence of a lie in my thinking. Here's the battleground. And so the challenge for us is to, no matter what's going on, is to say, I, 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 I believe that your word is true, God. I believe that your promises will not fall to the ground. We're going to get to that in a minute. Your promises will not fall to the ground and I have a future filled with hope. Not some hope, not some chicken salt sprinkled hope, like filled with hope. Filled with hope, not some, you know, just a bit of icing on the cake of hope. No, no, a future filled with hope. And if I'm not believing that, then it's, pro- it's, not, it's not on God's end. Or if I don't feel like I'm seeing that, maybe it's not on God's end. It's just, I need to change the way I think. And I, and I need to maybe examine, is, is there, am I believing some lies about some certain areas of my life? Because God says, I'm going to give you a future filled with hope. Let's go over to Isaiah 55. I just want to look at one other scripture this morning. And uh, I just want to warn you, I don't see a clock in here, which for an evangelist is very dangerous. Andy, you should have addressed that, I'm telling you. That's trouble. We could be here hours. No, I have my watch on. So Isaiah 55, we're going to pick it up in verse 10. Now... Actually, I felt like the Lord just spoke to me about Isaiah 55 this week, and then I was just doing some study, and I realized uh, there's, uh, according to Matthew Henry, there is a direct application of Isaiah 55 to Israel in captivity in Babylon. So this is, once again, very connected with with, with the people of Israel, the children of Israel in captivity in Babylon. And Isaiah is also about to speak prophetically as well to the first application is the children of Israel in in captivity in Babylon. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 10. And I'm going to have a drink. Because as you can maybe tell, I got a little bit too much sun in the last week. I'm loading up for the next five months. It's a long winter. Isaiah 55, let's look at verse 10. The rain and snow fall from the sky and do not return, but instead water the earth and make it produce and yield crops and provide seed for the planter and food for those who must eat. In the same way, the promise that I make does not return to me having accomplished nothing. No, it is realized as I desire. I'm getting chills just as I read that. Indeed, and this is where the commentators say Isaiah is almost certainly speaking, well, at least Matthew Henry says, he's almost certainly speaking to the children of Israel in Babylon. 
Indeed, you will go out with joy and you will be led along in peace. The mountains and hills will give a joyful shout before you and all the trees in the field will clap their hands. Evergreens will grow in place of thorn bushes. Furs, don't even know what that is, will grow in place of nettles. They will be a monument to the Lord, a permanent reminder that will remain. So good. Let's read verse 11 again. In the same way, the promise that I make does not return to me having accomplished nothing. Now, some of your translations will have the word word there, uh, that God's word uh, will, will not return to him. Uh, some of the translations have word there. However, this is a reference to divine promises. So that's why my Bible actually translates it promises. That, that, the word, word there is actually a reference to divine promises because Isaiah, if you read the preceding verses, it's actually listed a bunch of promises. And then, and then we just read verse 12 and 13. You've got further divine promises uh, right there. In. So preceding 11 and after verse 11, you've got divine promises being made. So hence why my translation says again, verse 11, in the same way, the promise that I make does not return to me having accomplished nothing. No, it is realized as I desire. That would have been good enough, but then it goes on and is fulfilled as I intend. Just just slap yourself a little bit. That is awesome. His promises will not return to him having accomplished nothing. It is realized as he designed and fulfilled as he intends. Even when a global pandemic is hit. Doesn't matter. And, I, and I, I tell you, friends, I have felt this very tested in my own life. I have felt my heart tested with this. Because I, 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 I joke with people in Europe. I tell them, I, hey, guys, I grew up in Australia and then lived for six years in California. I did not come to Europe for the weather. <laughs> I could choose. I could live in Australia. My wife's an American citizen, so I could live in California. And so I'm like, I didn't come here for the weather. And I didn't come here... Even though you have great chocolate and bread, I didn't come here for the chocolate and the bread. I didn't come here for the breadsticks. I came here because God spoke to me that he was moving with a great, there was going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Europe. And I felt like he called my wife and I to be a part of it. And so I left for that reason. And I'm in a foreign country, as far away from my family in Australia as you can get, Norway, you know. And so I have felt, while I'm sitting alone at home in the midst of the pandemic, I have felt this challenged. Like, God, you promised that we were, I was going to see all these people saved. You promised, you spoke to me that I was going to go to different places in Europe and see people born again and the church empowered and equipped in power evangelism, that the kingdom of God was going to come with power and that we were going to see a great move of the Holy Spirit. And the churches are shut down. And in Brussels, you can't even go on the street after 7 p.m. at night. What is going on? (laughs) What is going on? And by the way, like I'm feeling financial pressure. And by the way, like 
I didn't come here specifically for Norway, but I'm kind of stuck in Norway. You spoke to me about Europe. What is going on? I can't see my family in Australia. And, and, I, and, and I've had these moments where it's like the promises are being tested. But what does God say to us? What is God saying to those of us that are holding on to certain promises? Whether it be for you think they should be realized now or, or maybe they're, they're going to be realized you know, in, in the years to come. What, but you're feeling they're opposed or you're feeling they're far away. What does God say? God says to you and I, in the, the promise that I make does not return to me having accomplished nothing. It is realized as I desire. It's like God says, you can throw 50 lockdowns at me, it doesn't matter. My promises are going to be realized. And it is fulfilled as I intend. You can throw up 20 different border restrictions. My promises will be fulfilled as I intend, is what the Lord says. And then in verse 12 to 13, obviously... It's a, the first application is to the children of Israel. But once again, under the gospel of grace, under a new and better covenant, sealed with the blood of Jesus, a gospel of mercy, a greater covenant, sealed by his blood, under his grace, with better promises, better blessings attached to it. This is most certainly true to his church. And it's this, verse 12. You will go out with joy. You will be led along in peace. The mountains and hills will give a joyful shout before you. And all the trees in the field will clap their hands. Evergreens will grow in place of thorn bushes. Firs will grow in place of nettles. They will be a monument to the Lord, a permanent reminder that will remain. You will go out in peace and joy. Friends, I believe this is really just, this is about us choosing to believe that God is who he says he is and persevering and not letting go of the promises. I believe that is much of what this season is about for us. I have let go of the idea that I'm going to see meetings with maybe a thousand people saved right now or, you know, the 1500 people saved in a meeting I've let go of that a little bit for now because I, I do feel the nature of the season is a little bit different just right now. But what I feel the season about right now is for us to remember who he is, believe who he says he is, and that he does what he says he does, and to, and to, remain, to persevere and hold on to the promises because his promises will be fulfilled. Their promises are in his name. And we will go out with joy and be led along in peace. And the trees will clap their hands and so on and so forth. We will go out. The winter season will end. This winter season will end. And we will go into a new season. And I feel that I felt the Lord challenge me. And I feel to say it even this morning that... Will you be ready to go into the promised land? Like, will you be go, ready to go into the next season, which is going to actually, I think, have a lot more fruit. It's going to be a lot faster moving. It's going to be a lot more happening. It's going to be a lot different to this season, but it's not guaranteed. I do feel there is, there is a, a call on us to be ready, to persevere, to hold on, 
to who God says he is, that he does, he is who he says he is, and he does what he says he does. And to persevere and to not let go of hope and joy and his promises. But if you have, don't be discouraged. He doesn't condemn you. If you have let go of some hope and maybe your heart's become sick, don't be discouraged. He does not condemn you. As I said, he's going to restore the hope. We're going to pray into that in a moment. But before I pray into that, I want to kind of just close with a story just to show you what a hope-giving God he is. Just a, a, a brief story, actually, of just my two children coming to us. I'm going to abbreviate the story a little bit. But my wife and I, we wanted to, we wanted to have children uh, a few years into our marriage and uh, Elizabeth was pregnant, and we were so excited. And we have our first scan, and our beautiful, amazing doctor, she, I remember she just looks at us and she says, the, the baby is stuck in the tube, which is serious. If you, if you understand these things, it's a very, very serious thing. Not only are we going to lose the baby, for sure, that baby will not live, but also Elizabeth, can ha- can, her life can be threatened by this. And so we end up having, losing a baby, and we're devastated. Thankfully, Elizabeth's okay. We, we mourn for some time, but we just move on. God has promised us a family. We get pregnant again. I, we go into the scan, another scan early in the pregnancy. I can feel I'm a little bit apprehensive and anxious. And I remember the beautiful doctor just turning to Elizabeth first and then me saying the baby is stuck in the tube and the baby will not make it and I remember Elizabeth just bursting into tears in the scan room just crying and we're about to lose a second child again <clears throat> anyway we mourn we, I, I have conversations with God like what is this like what the heck is going on because not only do we lose that baby Elizabeth that second time was having surgery in the middle of the night to save her life and she'd started internally bleeding and she's having surgery to save her life and I'm sitting in the waiting room get this of Mercy Hospital I'm sitting in the waiting room of Mercy Hospital wondering I know the baby's not going to live but I'm wondering if my wife's actually going to come out of the surgery room in the middle of the night wow like what is going on we then get pregnant a third time we lose the child again we end up having four miscarriages in total four miscarriages the lord's kept saying to me i have promised you you will have a family like i didn't feel like i could let go of the promise he kept saying to me he reminded me and he'd keep reminding us, even when, honestly, it was a bit painful. He'd keep saying, I am going to give you your own family, your own children. I was very, we were very tested one particular day when Elizabeth's uncle, he'd been a, a um, he's like a boss of a very big hospital in Norway. He's a medical, he's a physician and he's a boss of a hospital. And he says to Elizabeth gently, have you thought about adoption? Why don't you think about adoption? And Elizabeth comes home, she's in tears, and she's saying, this is what he said to me, we should really think about adoption. And I said, no, that is, I love adoption, and I would like to do that in the future. Adoption is wonderful, but we are not going to adopt. That is not what God has said to us. We are going to have children of our own. Some months go by, 
I, Elizabeth gets pregnant. And I'm like, oh boy, this, it's mixed feelings, honestly. It's like, oh boy, here we go again. And Elizabeth's pregnant. <clears throat> anyway, things look good early in the pregnancy. Things are going well. I then go on a trip, uh, first to Italy. I was uh, marrying some, uh, we have this uh, couple that have been on my team in Norway, and Maria's from Italy, and she said, Matt, would you come and marry us in Italy? I said, that's not going to be hard, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> on, a, on a fields in Italy. And uh, so I go to Italy, and I check into the hotel, and I'm in room 114, and great, very nice hotel. The next day, uh, sorry, it was the night before the wedding hotel. I was in a different hotel because I just arrived in Italy. I stay in room 114. So room 114 the first night. Second night, different hotel in a, just 30 minutes away in Italy, uh, southwest somewhere. And uh, I'm in room 114. I'm like, that's interesting. Always 114. I then actually the next day had to go to speak at a youth event in... Um, just outside of Paris, France, I was at this youth event and it was like a big uh, property with like a, a, it's like built by the Catholic Church and so you have this like kind of big monastery building, looks like a castle and then you have like all, the, all these lodgings uh, that's built and owned by the Catholic Church. So you have a lot of rooms, I think it was like 200 rooms or something, uh, I don't know exactly, but it was a lot of rooms. Guess what room I stay in? Third night in a row, 114. I'm in room 114. Three different places, different cities, and I'm in room 114. And now, this, doesn't, this stuff doesn't happen to me a lot. I'm being honest with you. This does not happen to me very often. It happens with some of my friends. They just have all kinds of crazy things go on. But this doesn't happen to me that often. And, but I know enough to go, okay, I feel like, God, you're trying to get my attention here. Some weeks go by, and God says to me, I didn't know, I'm like Psalm 114, I'm like Proverbs 11.4, I'm like, I'm like, you know, Habakkuk 11.4, no, that doesn't exist, and uh, you know, I'm just like, what is going on? And, and God speaks to me and says, turn to page 114 in your Bible. I go to page 114 in my Bible, it's Exodus chapter 22, second book of the Bible, chapter 22, in the third, in the third in, in Exodus 22, you have three. You have God giving the judicial system to the children of Israel. He's laying out for the children of Israel at Sinai how the judicial system is going to work. And specifically, he goes into detail about how you're to treat a thief. So when someone steals, how a thief is supposed to be treated under his judicial system. And three times in Exodus 22, you can read it for yourself, he talks to the children of Israel and he says, where someone steals, they must pay back double. When a thief steals, they must pay back double. And God speaks to me and says, Matt, where the enemy has come and stolen from you, I am going to pay back double for where he's stolen from you. And you're going to have twins and they're going to be from me. And he says, I'm going to pay back double for what's been stolen from you. And get this, the story just goes on. We have a scan and the due date of the twins is 02-02-2020. And the doctor says, well, that's a special due date, isn't it? Not a Christian. That's a special due date, isn't it? 02-02-2020. And the Lord gives us twins. 
which, by the way, for twin parents, is clearly a blessing of the Lord. Uh, and if you, if you look at the scripture, twins are a blessing of the Lord. And Noah and Amelia are born, and, and they're just the most beautiful children, and they're healthy, and we're just very, 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 very thankful. God was faithful. He restored. He gave us hope in the midst of the trouble. He restored our hope. We were going through trial. We were going through trouble. But not only did God restore our hope, he paid back double from where the enemy had stolen. And I believe if you look at scripture, you see it also in the book of Isaiah as well. You see the Lord saying where where there is a stealing that takes place, God redeems. He's a redeemer. God redeems. He pays back double from where the enemy has stolen. That is who he is. That is what he does. He pays back double. That is what he said he will do. I wasn't asking for that. He said, I'm going to pay back double. And even certain prophets have said to me, God is giving you double for your trouble. I remember Heidi Baker was, I was in a meeting with Heidi Baker and she's singing over me. Surely the Lord is going to give you double for your trouble. The surely the Lord is going to give you double for your trouble. I want to pray for two sets of people today as we close. I'm going to finish now. Firstly, if you feel like you're here and you need hope restored, I want you just to stand up. If you feel like, I want to pray for you. I want you to be bold. If you feel like you need this morning a restoration of hope, I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. You're not, I'm not going to come, say come to the front. Just stand up where you are. If you just need the Lord to restore hope, I'm expecting it will be a lot of people. So... <clears throat> That's awesome. I want to just pray for people that you really feel like you need a restoration of hope. I want to pray for, for these beautiful people first. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's just close our eyes and welcome the Holy Spirit to just come and minister to people now. God, I thank you that you promised to restore hope. I thank you that it's your nature to restore hope. That you come to us even in the midst of trouble and say, I will give you a future filled with hope. I speak over my friends this morning, a restoration of hope in Jesus' name. Over these wonderful people that are standing, God, I I speak by the grace of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. I speak over them a restoration of hope in Jesus' name. May your hope be restored. As it says in in the Psalms, may the Lord lift your head. He is the lifter of our head. I just say, may your head be lifted by the Holy Spirit. I speak hope restored in Jesus' name. God says to you, you will have a future filled with hope. You have a future filled with hope. Lord, powerfully remind us this morning of a future filled with hope. That our future is not sprinkled with hope. It's not a little drop of hope. It's filled with hope. And I speak over you, future filled with hope in Jesus' name. And there's one more group of people I want to stand. And that is when I talked about the enemy paying back for where some, uh, sorry, the Lord paying back for where the enemy has stolen. And you want to say, God, here I am. I receive 
double payback. I receive double redemption for what's been stolen. I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. I want to ask that what the Lord did with my family and me, he would do for you. So get ready to have twins. No, just kidding. I want to pray that God would pay back double for what's been stolen in your life. So if that word applied to you, I want you to stand. I just want to, I want to declare over you that that would take place as well. That there would be a restoration, a paying back of double. He's a redeemer. So God, I just speak over these men and women that where the enemy is stolen from them. God, where the enemy has come and stolen, I just speak over my friends a restoration of double in Jesus' name. Where the enemy has stolen, where he's plundered in their lives, I declare in the name of Jesus that there will be a double payback. A a paying back of double. King Jesus, you're the Redeemer. You are the Redeemer. You're our kinsman Redeemer. And I declare a restoration, a paying back of double where the enemy is stolen in the name of Jesus. Where the enemy has stolen a paying back of double, what you did for me and my family, would you do for them as well? And God, I declare that as that, pro- as that prayer is answered, that there would just be great glory given to Jesus. That's the thing, guys, is when it happens, when, when, I mean, the devil must just hate it when I share about Noah and Amelia because Jesus gets so glorified through it. And I just declare over you that as this is fulfilled, that Jesus will be mightily glorified as the Lord pays back double. Let's all just stand together as we close. I'm going to finish now, I promise. Jesus, I just bless, we bless your name. We bless your name. You are good. I speak over every person here today. Blessing. I just, I just declare over them exactly what, uh, what was in there. I'm going to turn to it again in Isaiah 55, that they would go out in peace and joy. I'm going to speak this over you. You will go out with joy. You will be led along in peace. The mountains and hills will give a joyful shout before you and all the trees in the field will clap their hands. Evergreens will grow in place of thorn bushes. Firs will grow in place of nettles. They will be a monument to the Lord, a permanent reminder that will remain. I speak that over us all today in Jesus' name. We love you, God. You're good. You're awesome. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give Jesus a clap and a shout. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus.